0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card...
1: Right this way.
0: It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
3: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets...
4: Welcome into to Hour 2 of the Lombardi Line. This show, as always, presented by DraftKings. We are live on v and DraftKings Network, coming to you from coast to coast. Stormy Bonantoni here at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi out there at his office in Ocean City. And Michael, the franchise tag window has officially opened today. Teams will have until March 5th to decide whether or not they want to tag a player this, this offseason. We will have your top five offseason coaching hires that will hit this hour we'll talk about a bunch of front office franchise tag free agency stuff with another former nfl gm randy mueller who's going to join us in a little bit as well but where we're going to start this hour is in addition to it being franchise tag and free agency season almost it is lying season
5: (laughs) which everyone
4: loves so much so
5: lie 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 (laughs) this is
4: your favorite time of year obviously i'm sure
5: we should have like a picture of 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 uh Frank Pantangeli as the guy who, you know, remember in Godfather Two where he's in the front of the Senate subcommittee, here, lies, 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 you know, <laughs> all lies, you know, he's he talking about what he told the FBI. That's that's what we're dealing with. Lies, lies, lie. Everybody's lying. And it's good. You know what? We had Ash Wednesday. Everybody went to confession and you get absolution. You can lie because as the great George Costanza says, is it really a lie if you believe it, Stormy?
4: I love it. Uh, There are a lot of, let's let's just call them narratives. There are a lot of narratives (laughs) out there. And so similar to what we do, similar to what we do with the news or noise exercise, I want you to tell me which lives you think we should actually take a little belief and stalk into and which one are just total... Fiction, get it out of here. Um, let's start with your one of your absolute favorite topics in Justin Fields, and that Mike Tomlin loves this kid. Also, that the 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 Bears can get a haul for Justin Fields. Where do you sit on this top headline?
5: Well, it's hard to say whether Tomlin likes him or not because I didn't never ask Mike Tomlin that question. But I can't imagine that Mike Tomlin is expressing love. Or for a player that he's never really coached, and nobody from that bear staff has been there. Uh now, you know, they hired Arthur Smith and, you know, maybe Arthur did more work on him because he was from Georgia. But my sense of it is, is that it's probably I think he's intrigued with Fields' talent more than loving them, right? There's a difference, right? You can be intrigued. And curious about whether he could succeed and see what he does, because there's times where when he's running around, it's like, wow, he's hard to defend. But in, pers- in keeping it in, pers- that's different than loving. Loving yeah. means you think he can win against everybody, and I'm not sure. I think this is a little bit of a, let's call this a fabrication, a white lie, if you will.
4: Okay, I like that. Let's let's stay on the Bears train because Bears president Kevin Warren had some comments about Justin Fields as well. I think it's pretty interesting. Let's hear it. Well, I'm a um, supporter of Justin you know, because I got a chance to work with him when I was commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. He is incredibly talented. Uh, he is smart. Uh, he works hard. And uh, he wants to be a great NFL football player. Um, and and so now he just needs to make sure that he has the support around him. He's working hard. And then I would love to see him, you know, this offseason, make sure he's totally healthy going into the season next year. Justin has a rare combination of intelligence, of size, of strength, and speed. You forget how big of a of a man he is until you're up on him. He's not a small man. And, um, and so I just think every year he's going to continually get better. Um, and um, so I'm glad he's on the Chicago Bears. Meanwhile, um, in addition to it being lying season, it's also unfollow season. And Justin Fields has since unfollowed the Bears on right. social media. But what did you take right. away from Kevin Warren there?
5: I mean, short of taking a billboard out on the on the freeway coming in from O'Hare to downtown Chicago, it's an advertisement. He's promoting the player, which is his job, right? He's saying all the great things about the player, which you would expect coming out of Chicago. And, and you know, the follow-up question is, well, if he's so good, how come we're not going to sign him or keep him? And then he would have said, well, that's not my decision. I leave that to the football people. I, I, I give them the opportunity to make that decision. So... Look, I I think it's it's what he has to do. You know, he reminded us that he was the commissioner of the Big Ten. He reminds us about his time with them. And it really was on script. It was almost as if he had a speechwriter write that for him. And I think it's outstanding. But to me, no one's going to believe it because, you know, that's what he's paid to do. He's paid to endorse things that happen all Chicago.
4: I feel bad that this is turning into like the Justin Fields hater segment, but we have one more in lying season Uh that involves the current Bears quarterback. And it's his former offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who now is here in Vegas with the Raiders. And he has made a lot of outward comments about how good of a player and person Justin Fields is, as well as praising Aiden O'Connell. Are we to believe what Getze has publicly shared about these two young quarterbacks?
5: I don't think if we if he was under an examination of a lie detector that that wouldn't have bleeped up in a different direction. I think he's being very kind. He's like you. You know, he's being very kind. He doesn't want to make anybody mad. You know, and he's saying, I'm excited to work with Aiden O'Connell, which I'm sure is true. Yet he's watched the same tape I've watched, and he knows that it's not there in terms of they need a quarterback. I mean, let's be clear. And now it may be Aiden and he could take a giant mother, may I step forward and become a good player, but he cannot watch the tape of O'Connell and say, and say with unbelievable certainty that he liked what he saw on the passing game, because there's still some coaches that were there last year that were involved with the offense. So, and I know kind of where that's going on the, on the fields thing. Look, there's the public Luke and there's the private Luke. The public Luke is going to endorse them. The private Luke is going to be what the actions are taken. And if the Raiders are not fully vested uh, to the mattresses on Justin Fields, then we know how he feels.
4: Yeah. uh, People just love to draw those connections. And uh, the Raiders are in a very interesting situation, a position with their quarterback, because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get released. He had the PED suspension that voids a lot of those dollar bills on his contract. So they'll have the financials to go out and get somebody should they choose. It'll just be interesting to see who that ultimately ends up being. Stick with the quarterback position, though. J.J. McCarthy got obviously a lot of love from his former head coach at Michigan in Jim Harbaugh saying, don't be surprised if he goes number one overall. OK, I would, be, <laughs> I, I would be surprised. But there has been a lot of love actually coming out about J.J. McCarthy since the season ended. Are we to believe that J.J. McCarthy is closer to the Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels conversation than he is the Bo Nix, Michael Penix, etc.?
5: I I think this might not be a lie. And I think, look, the the value of scouting is you've got to be able to see a player and project them. Right. You've got to be able to see talent and project them forward. Now, what, what Harbaugh said is hard to say that he's better than Caleb. But if he were in that offense where it was throwing all the time, maybe he'd be different. But here's where I think you've got to take serious consideration and stock into J.J. McCarthy. And I have no skin in this game whatsoever. But you put on his third down tape. And that's the one tape you want to watch on all the players at quarterback position. Why? Because the game is faster on third down. Daniel Jones on third down isn't the same player as Daniel Jones on first down. Ryan Tannehill, it's the same thing. When the game becomes third down and things start moving around at a different speed, like we saw in the in the Super Bowl, all of a sudden you've got to make really good decisions you got to be quick minded and quick footed and mccarthy was very good on his third down tape if you just go through that tape he's very good Finds a way to make plays. He's athletic. His arm is strong. He's got a lot of things teams are going to want to work on. You know, Matt Manchurian, we had him yesterday on. Matt we had him on yesterday. And, you know, he said he thinks he's going to go in the first round. No, I think Matt probably undersold that. I think he's going to go in the top 10, if you want to know the truth. I think he's going to at least the top 15, because I think people are going to gravitate towards his personality and his skill set, right? He's got a lot of things going for him. And, you know, I say this, if Tua was was the fifth pick overall in the draft, why can't McCarthy be a high pick?
4: I'm very curious to see as those meetings go on, the combine beyond that, how people start talking about JJ McCarthy. And if he does, condi- we we know that you hate the climbing the draft board and the falling. I know you yep. don't like that terminology, but um, I'll be interesting to see where he ends up instead of climb. I'll just say where he ends up. Um, how about this one? Because, the, you know, I'm all in on trying to track what's going on with the 49ers and their defensive coordinator search. I haven't seen anything really tangible yeah. come up yet, But all I keep hearing is that Brandon Staley is the need to hire. How do we feel about this narrative?
5: I'm not sure that's correct. Right. I mean, because, look, one thing we do know, the Niners have to be compliant with the Rooney rule. They're going to have to interview minority candidates for the job. So eventually we're going to start to hear names that are coming in. My sense of this is probably Kyle took a week off. You know, this week he'll take some time off, kind of whether he goes to Cabo and spends time with his dad or, you know, he just hangs around with his kids. But when he comes back, I think that's when they're still going to start bringing people in for the interview. And until they comply with the Rudy rule, they're not going to hire anybody. I I don't see the Staley scheme fitting into what they do. There's no evidence to say that they play good defense down in San down in Los Angeles. I mean, Kyle would have to be sitting there saying, well, you know, I think we can become a better defense because he'll make us better. There's no evidence of that. Now, you know, he's going to could he hire him? I don't know what their relationship was. McVay didn't bring him back. He hired from within. He hired from within. He could have easily brought him back to replace, to replace, uh, to replace, uh, Uh, Raheem Morris, who went to Atlanta, he chose to stay within the framework and hire Mike Shula uh, or Chris Shula, I should say, who is his college roommate. But to me, I'm not sure of that one. That one to me seems a little bit of the analytical community pushing him for that job.
4: It would not be my ideal candidate, but I'm hoping that we start to get some leaks, maybe after he he comes back from Cabo or wherever the heck uh, Shanahan is right now, to your (laughs) point, that we start getting a little bit more information because that's obviously going to be a critical hire. There's so much talent oh, on huge. on field talent and you need to get the right fit. If there is anything that we learned from the Steve Wilkes experience this past year, um, we're going to take a quick time out. We will continue our NFL conversation regarding the offseason with former NFL GM, Randy Mueller, who's going to join us next, get some of his thoughts on the franchise tag window and free agency.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VSIN daily newsletter. In today's newsletter, our guy, Bill Abey, Gives you a little tease for the v baseball betting primer. Adam Burke, who was on the show with us yesterday, loves baseball. Huge baseball, better, dives into the numbers and analytics. He's making sure everybody knows how to bet spring training as well. Yet, yeah, if it exists, you can bet on it, ladies and gentlemen. v slash newsletter for all of the fun from our guy Bill every day
2: disagree with these takes no way Uh, uh-uh, no way or do you approve oh, no doubt no doubt no doubt my mind no so diggity no
1: doubt it's time to ask michael lombardi no way or no doubt
4: all right michael the patriots new offensive coordinator alex van pelt said yesterday when asked if he could envision mac jones starting in 2024 Everything is on the table. ESPN Patriots reporter Mac Reese also says the Patriots drafting a quarterback with the number one over, with the number three overall pick quote should not be a given no way or no doubt. The Patriots will draft a QB in the first round in 2024.
5: Well, I think that this is falls between uh, we're not sure yet. I think we <laughs> don't have enough information, but I would say no way to Mac Jones being the quarterback. Okay. I would say there would be a different quarterback. Uh, than Mac Jones, so I'm going to kind of fudge. This is one of those you can't really give a no way or no doubt. I could see them signing a guy because they feel like the draft, or they're not worth it, or they could trade down. Robert Kraft has already said this is the most important draft in his 31 years in his career as the owner, so we'll see. But for me, I think ultimately... You know, we're too early in the process. Everybody wants an answer on who they're going to get. Here we are in February, and, you you know, you go through Twitter and you read, well, who are we going to get? I mean, the, the Eagles are asking who they're going to get. You know, they want to know. Like, it's too early. You don't even know who you're going to get. And, and let's be really clear here again, Stormy. The, the difference between – now, quarterbacks change teams, right? We know that, right? We saw what C.J. Stroud did. We saw what Bryce Young didn't do. Quarterbacks change teams. They change their win total. But other than the quarterback position, no one else is going to... This draft will not shift or alter your draft wins. That's why we see them already. That's why DraftKings has put them out. This team's 9.5. That team's 8. This team's 10. You know, even if you draft... Even if the Patriots draft a quarterback, their number's not going to go up. Even if the Falcons trade for the greatest quarterback in the history of 10 wins in Justin Fields. Their number's not going to go up, right? It's all going to be the same. And so I think you have to be careful about putting so much on the draft. The draft is just the newer play. What matters more than anything is last year's draft. we got to get those guys to play good.
4: Sure. That was a hell of a line there on Justin Fields. But as it pertains to the Patriots, one thing is for sure they they need a lot of change offensively because it was they and the Carolina Panthers who Panthers obviously the worst team in the league this year with just 2 wins, had the fewest points allowed, points scored. game this year and the only team with worst quarterback play in terms of qbr was the jets so it was problematic offensively for this squad let's go to college football here Uh, lots of reports coming out of yesterday's cfp meeting including the indication that before the 12 team playoff has even gotten underway michael that they're talking about in 2026 expanding to 14 or 16 teams no way or no doubt the cfp should continue playoff expansion beyond 12 teams
5: well i mean i think 14 might be the limit right i think let's go back i mean we we were talking about this yesterday when we had stuart mandel on you know i don't there's no way they should expand it let me answer the question i don't think it should go to 14 because there was going to be some games what did he say if if we would have had this last year five would have played georgia would have played liberty would that have been a good game (laughs) you know you know what i'm saying so do we really have 14 that we could make good look we've gone to seven playoff we've gone to this was the first year a seventh seed beat anybody in the end in, in the playoffs and obviously green bay took care of business but you know I, I think to me 14 college teams qualifying may be a stretch 12 might be the right number i think it's probably 10 would be more of the right number
4: also i think to be fair based on the number that oregon did on liberty in the fiesta bowl Anyone would have beat up on Liberty, no matter the format. Um, but Gassie, uh, yeah, that's mean. I feel I bad. They were an undefeated fair. team. I don't in the think it's season. fair.
5: You know, they, no. they had a great year, but it's a cl- it's a different level. I mean, well, we're that, seeing this with the NIL. On, you know, it's hard.
4: That's the thing, Michael. And I am a proponent of the Group of Five more than just about anybody. I absolutely love G5 football, and I pull for the underdog. I love those types of teams when they have those exceptional seasons. Um, but I think twelve is a good number. Like, let's get through twelve. Let's see how 12 works before we talk about adding in more teams and see what the level of competition is from that standpoint. Um, In this offseason, running backs are going to be a topic of conversation once again, just like they were last year. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, the list goes on. Running backs that are still looking for deals. No way or no doubt. Running backs will have an easier time getting paid this offseason than they did last year.
5: No way. No way. I think they're going to have a hard time. They're going to continue to have a hard time. I think they're gonna to continue to have a hard time. You don't think Jonathan think Taylor's me, deal will, will be, help them at all? I think it hurts them. I think the Taylor deal hurts them because I think that people are gonna say, well, if he got this money, why don't I get it? I mean it's a fair point to make. It's a fair point to make. You say if you're if you're Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor got fourteen million a year, why can't I get fourteen a year? And there hasn't seemed to been an appetite to, to pay that. If teams want to pay that, they'll disfranchise you. I mean, the Giants could sign, you know, are they going to sign Barkley to 14 a year? So between Daniel Jones at 40 and Barkley at at 14 or 15, 14 a year, that's 54 million of their cap tied up in two players where they haven't been able to win when they've had them. Yeah.
4: I, I just feel like and we talked about this so much last offseason, but. Winning competent level production at the running back position can come at a far lower price and contracts that are far less prohibitive when you just get guys in the draft yeah. and they're and they're younger. And you look at a guy like I, Isaiah Pacheco, who uh, you know helped the Chiefs defend their yeah, Super there's... Bowl title as a seventh rounder.
5: I mean, it's the greatest example, right? They draft Edward Solaire in the first round, and the seventh rounder ends up being better. And let's be clear, they wouldn't be where they are if it weren't for Pacheco. His numbers increased. He went from 14 carries up to 21 come playoff time. So, yeah, I'm with you. If, if you could find Pacheco in in a very, you know, at, at from Rutgers by Violent High School, I mean, that's pretty damn good. And credit Brett Veach and the chief staff, and credit Andy Reid for playing him over the first rounder, too.
4: Well, and here's the thing, Michael. Yes, he is a seventh rounder, is the diamond in the rough. But non-first round running backs having success is is normal. You look at the Dolphins running backs, Devon Achan, yeah. third round, Raheem Mostert, undrafted. Of the top 10 running backs in the NFL this year, in terms of yards, only Christian McCaffrey and Najee Harris were first round picks. Derrick Henry, Kyron Williams, James Cook, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, all second rounder later. So you can get guys later yeah, on. Just that, that's
5: right. And, and let's face it, Najee was in the bottom 20 sure. and people criticized that pick, right? You know, and, and, and McCaffrey was, I think he was in the teens or maybe, maybe 10. It was, he it wasn't, you know, wasn't the first pick overall. I mean, I think you, you just can't overvest. I mean, you only have so many cap dollars to spend. You can't give it to somebody else. and, there's other backs out there you got to find them and you got to make sure that you pick the right one that fits your run game see this is the big thing about running backs too is is you got to get the right marriage between the scheme and the what the back sees and how the back runs right because that's the key some guys are not good at running outside zones some guys are good at running outside going some guys are better at point of entry runs so you got to get the right kind of it's not all backs are the same
4: yeah and christian mccaffrey where he was drafted and the payday that he has had is because he's more than just an everyday run-of-the-mill running back as well he does Correct. so many different things that it commands that price tag uh, let's hit another one here though go back to college football a little bit nick okay. saban is right College football is in need of meaningful change. He told ESPN this week, if his voice can bring about some meaningful change, he wants to help any way he can. What we know now is college football is not college football as we know it. You hear somebody use the word student athlete that doesn't exist. No way or no doubt. Nick Saban's right.
5: He's no doubt he's right. And he and he should be the he should be on the front of it. They should listen to him. Now, the problem you have is doing what's right and doing what's legal. Right there is the line. Can you do this? Can you just enforce rules? See the NFL is a collectively bargain league. There's no collective bargaining between student athletes and the NCAA and the schools. So this is a tougher challenge. You put some rule in place that a student could take to a court and it could be gone within an hour. So there's change is important. But being able to have the change that's legal change that gets passed by everybody is even harder. That question I asked Stuart Mandel yesterday, if we're going to have 12, are we going to let these kids transfer in the middle of everything? He brought up Kyle Allen. He's right. You know, Kyle McCord. I'm sorry. He brought up Kyle McCord. I mean, that's a hard thing. I don't I'd like to see him stop changing schools when the bowl games are going on and then do it after.
4: Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the academic calendar, too. And you see coaches being able to take off at that time. So how do you coordinate all this and make it make sense and make those games meaningful? Plus, I need to do a little more research on this, but the number of coaches that have left college football for the NFL each of the last two years, 23, last year, 28, feels like a lot. We'll be right back on the Lombardi Line.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on v the sports betting network.
4: If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VEASAN experts have you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You'll get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide with bracket breakdowns, plus full access to everything we do at VEASAN.com, including our exclusive betting splits on every game. vSIN.com slash pro is where you can go to subscribe today. That's vsin.com ncom slash pro Join in the conversation with us on the Lombardi line, if you can, on X at M Lombardi NFL at Storm Bonantoni at Beeson live because I'm trying to get some some answers <laughs> as to what the mm-hmm. 90s equivalent is to a, a professional athlete unfollowing his team on social media or scrubbing the team. We know Kyler Murray did it. Debo Samuel at one point. Now, Justin Fields is unfollowing the Bears. Like uh, what was it? Do You just go radio silent back in the day, Michael, with the, yeah. the Nokia phone. You just set it down and say, I'm not answering the phone anymore.
5: I think in 92, we didn't even have cell phones. Right. So I I think it was like, you know, this number has been disconnected is what you would have heard. You know, it's like, okay, where did he go? Call his mama, go to the notebooks. We got to go to the notebooks, right. And get and go through the notebooks and find his home phone number from his college scouting report. Okay. Here's his home number. Call that number and see if we can get him. You know, you laugh, those notebooks. I mean, we didn't stop using notebooks, it, I left the Raiders in 06, 07. We were still using notebooks. I mean, literally, Al Davis wanted to come in and read the reports out of the notebooks. And so, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what you'd have to do. And you would just call the guy on the phone and then oh, this number has been disconnected. OK, call mama, because one thing mama knows where he lives. Mama knows what's yeah. going on.
4: Mom's going to track him down and get that information. Yeah. Our, our wonderful producer, Elliot Bowman, was funny. He's like, when I think of 90s and that kind of stuff, I just think of Barry Sanders retiring via impersonal facts to the Lions. Yeah. <laughs>
5: so I can that. see that, too. Right. The, when you, you know, the other thing is, this with this, it's funny. The, the 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 ringing of the fax oh we're getting a fax and everybody would run to the fax machine you know like all of a sudden we're getting a president and sometimes it couldn't be good news you know you would hear that ring of course that remember that ring You know, but I think it was in mid '90s. That's when AOL started. You would have to dial up to get internet connection.
4: Oh man, you're too
1: young to remember. No, no, no! Don't
4: bring me back to dial up because that noise is just like permanently ingrained in my brain. I know.
1: And then you. Oh, we
5: made it. We got in. Oh, we're in. Okay, good. Now we got in. All right, here we go.
4: Mom, can you get off the phone? I'm trying to get on the internet here. All that (laughs) stuff. So, um, anyways, uh, you know somebody who probably did negotiate like that back in the day, going radio silent. Jim Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. You the have p- who you have put on your list as your number one of your top five off off-season coaching hires. We're going to go through the list one through five, but we might as well start at the top where you think Jim Harbaugh was the best get for any team. And he goes to the L.A. Chargers. Why?
5: Well, because they need toughness. They need mental and physical toughness. And they need an identity, right? They never really have had an identity uh, for a while. They've always tried to hire coaches and kind of gone the different route. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer, probably, North Turner, they had a little bit of an identity there. But this is the first time that they've hired somebody who could kind of handle the L.A. market, if you will, right? I mean, he's a big name, you know, he could probably get a table over at Craig's in West Hollywood immediately, right? They know who Jim Harbaugh is. So uh, I, I think it's huge. I think he gives them toughness, physicality, everything that they didn't have with Staley. Now, I think it's going to be a work in progress. I, I, the offensive staff is fascinating to me. I Mark Trestman, who was his quarterback coach, who was his first uh, coordinator when he became a coach at the Raiders. He's got Roman in there who... Roman might have the title of coordinator, but then they've got Tressman for the passing game, Marcus Brady for the passing game. There's a lot of chefs in that offensive meeting room which I think Jim likes. I think Jim wants to be able to be the guy that says, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's the way I want to do it and not give somebody all the authority to run it. Because we know if, if Roman's going to run the offense, there's going to be, a, and it's not going to be a passing game. that's going to make Justin Herbert happy. And they kept Herbert's quarterback coach. So that makes him happy.
4: Yeah, and for a franchise that has a lot of on-paper talent, but hasn't had the winning, ha- hasn't had that translate to winning, I think his proven track record of turning around teams and organizations that have been struggling in recent history is important. This is a Chargers team coming off a 5-12 and season. We'll see if Jim can do with them what he did for the 49ers and for Stanford and San Diego and Michigan, everywhere that he has been since. Let's go to number two on your list. Uh, in the Big D, where that defense will now fall under Mike Zimmer, uh, your yeah. number two hire than this offseason is Zimmer replacing Dan Quinn in Dallas.
5: Well, I mean, I think, look, Dan Quinn's a really good coach and he kind of has his own way. And I think if you read some of the commentary that's come out about what happened there, Dan kind of was player's coach, player friendly. Zimmer is tough. Zimmer gives them some toughness. It'll give them soundness in the run game, something they haven't had. You know, I think Dan was always trying to rob Peter to pay Paul, you know, trying to move things around. Zimmer's a tough guy. He'll give them toughness. And then on third down, he'll give, he'll give the offense a lot of problems. And I don't think Mike's lost his love of the game or lost his zip of the game. I think it's still going to be strong. He hired Paul Gunther to be his run game coordinator. Those two were in Minnesota. They were in Cincinnati together. So the scheme will fit this, the system they'll get Parsons in a lot of different spots. I like this hire a lot because I think he's going to hold the players accountable in his unique style. Now, Will that work? we saw with Vic Fangio, they didn't like it down in Miami. Well, I think they're going to have to like it in Dallas.
4: Yeah, and I, I think about this Dallas Cowboys team and how early on in the season they come across as those bullies and those thumpers on defense and they did have that physicality, but then it just slowly starts to go away, especially in the postseason where you want that to ramp up. That's when it was all but eliminated and even Micah Parsons was talking about that Green Bay game where they just showed up tired. I think Zimmer will be important for them most in those critical games in the playoffs now you mentioned Vic Fangio he just happens to be number three on your list as he leaves Miami and heads out to Philly
5: well again I think they need accountability on defense in Philadelphia I think they need somebody who's going to command the room and I think Vic will do that plus Vic has had a working relationship with Nick Sirianni he was helping him as a consultant they're going to get sound. They're going to be complex on defense. And I think he'll get the defensive front in shape and, and rely on that ability to rush the passer, which they didn't have. Two years ago, 60 of their 70 sacks came out of the offensive front. Last year, they couldn't put that pressure on. So I like this hire. I think Philly it needs some toughness. They need somebody to crack the whip on defense. Their defensive front, you look at Jordan Davis, you, you look at Carter, they all started strong. But by the middle of the year, they were not the same defense at all. They were slow and they couldn't cover. I think Vick will change that.
4: And Miami's defense under Fangio improved from 18th in yards allowed to 10th. And despite all the injuries that they had on that side of the ball, they were one of the best defensive teams in the league the back half of the season. Uh, Pete Carroll is out in Seattle, but you like his replacement coming over from the Ravens and Mike McDonald.
5: You know, I do. I really like, I don't know Mike McDonald, but I've watched him. I've read a lot about him, and I think he's got the right demeanor to change the the tenor a little bit. I think if they would have gone with somebody else along the Pete Carroll way, it would not have meant any change. And I think McDonald's a, a very curious coach. I think he understands what it takes to be good defensively today with multiplicity, but still have the ability to be sound fundamentally take a little bit of that Baltimore program, give them some toughness, and then try to get home field advantage back, right? They give up 170 some yards rushing to the Steelers. I think McDonald proved that he can get better, he can get the players to improve. Clowney had one of his best years for him. Van Noy comes off the Pat McAfee show and has a really good season, so I like this hire a lot. I have a lot of hopes for McDonald to be a really good coach. I think the staff will be young. I think hiring Leslie Frazier gives him a a calming voice of veteran presence that he needed. And I think that will help him. I like Seattle's talent more than I like the way they played last year. I thought they underachieved Seattle. I really did. They should not have been as bad defensively as they ended up playing.
4: Now, number five, I did not expect. We're doing a little NFL college football uh, crossover here. Wink Martindale no longer with the Giants. He's the defensive coordinator at Michigan as Jesse Minter follows Harbaugh to Los Angeles. And you really like that for the Wolverines.
5: Well, I I think, look, he's going to, it's going to, trust me, Ryan Day doesn't like it because he's going to (laughs) get blitzed from all different places and he's not going to be able to handle it. Wink can do a great job of attacking the protections. And in college football, it's all about attacking the protections. They don't have enough protections. So I think this is a really good hire. I almost put Nick Saban here on ESPN because I think we need his instructions. I think we need his voice, his expertise, his wisdom. Right. I almost put him on this list, but I wasn't sure that the the great producer, Mr. Elliott, would have allowed that. But I think Martindale's a great hire for them.
4: Yeah, Elliot's, really Elliot's a tough grader, that's for sure. I know
5: he is, I know, and so I feel like I'm back at the military academy getting graded by the general here, but the the, the thing about Martindale is, is I think he'll be able to relate to the players, even though he's an older coach. I think they'll enjoy, they'll embrace playing for him. And, you know, I know him really well, I like him, and I think it fits. And I think the more guy uh, – Sharon Moore is really a good coach. I think he's, you know, he's humble. What I loved about him was how humble he was. And he's willing to take somebody with the vast experience to help him
6: out.
4: Michael, because I am your accountability partner, I because he did not make this list. Don't know how much stock I can take in your hype of Arthur Smith being hired for the Steelers anymore, though. I will, I will leave it at would, that. He
5: was seven. He would have been. Okay. Six. If I had gone to ten, he'd have made the top. 10. <laughs> I was
4: gonna say you're putting saving on there before Arthur Smith. I'm not sure how much I can trust your opinion on that hire anymore.
5: <laughs> we'll be right back.
0: And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: This is the Lombardi
1: Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
4: This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. That's V-S-I-N. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We're wrapping up. Today's edition of the Lombardi Line on VSIN and DraftKings Network. Mike Palm in studio with us, and it is time for Palm's Pressing 3. What do we got today?
6: All right, Michael. Number one, in this Coaching cycle that we're in in the NFL. What is the most baffling staff hire to you? Head coach, assistant coach, or I was I was focusing on assistants or coordinators. What what decision are you scratching your head about?
5: I was surprised at the Kellen Moore hiring here in Philly because. You know, Philly's success was with the run game, right? I mean, Philly, Shane Steichen did a great job of the RPO game, the run game, and I don't see that as being Kellen Moore's specialty. I think one of the things he's doing, you know, he's got a bright offensive mind, but in terms of how he managed the game, I kind of thought that one, although, you know, he's very well, you know, he's popular. I thought the Roman hire for Jim to go back to him again after his brother fired him as a, well, they say they didn't fire him. You know how that goes, but... That reality of it is with no passing game and you have Justin Herbert there, that staff to me, as much as I love Jim, that offensive staff is a little bit confusing in the sense that you've got Herbert, you've got his coach at quarterbacks, you got Roman, then you got Mark Tressman as a senior assistant. There's a lot of personalities in those in those places. And I thought the Anthony Weaver hire in Miami was fascinating in that sense because Weaver's a defensive line coach. He's never really coached the back end. So it's going to take some kind of co-coordinator type stuff to get that worked out. And I think walking in there uh, and having to replace Vic, who the players didn't really like because he was too demanding on him. Well, what does that tell you about what's going on with their program? Right? Like you're in South Florida. It's you're going to have to be demanding and hold people accountable to football and those things because there's a lot of stuff to do in South Florida. So off the top of my head, Mike, those would be the ones that I would look at and say, wait a minute, that you know those, those kind of made me shift and wonder what the heck was going on.
4: What about you, Mike? Did you have any that really caught you by surprise?
6: No. So that's why I wanted to get Michael as a, maybe a tell for, for future bets on teams okay. with, with coordinator decisions. It's interesting you brought up, Greg Roman, because I brought it up from the opposite standpoint and no hyperbole this morning. Number two was get the flock out of here, and it was about the parting of ways – with Greg Roman because he couldn't develop the passing game with Lamar. But here in this AFC championship game, the number one rushing offense in all of football averaging five yards a carry, only ran the ball 18 times. They were down 17-7 at half. You would have thought it was 27-7 the way they played the second half. Lose the turnover battle, 3-0, and time of possession, 38-22. They totally abandoned the physical style of play against the Chiefs. And oh, by the way, a little, a little mud in your eye to brother here. I'm going to hire Greg Roman now to, to run the charge. I thought there was a lot of irony in that. Okay, Michael, let's go to question number two. I don't know where to start the process because I know it's never ending, but I want to talk to you about or ask you about player evaluation from a, from a draft standpoint, but how does that whole process work throughout the course of the year? So I picked an arbitrary spot of, let's just say teams are reporting to training cap. From an organization's player evaluation what does that look like in July and August all the way through the college football season and the into the draft? What is that whole process that obviously continues over and over each year?
5: Well, the, the, the process from the time you go to training camp to the time the season ends or you get there, it's all done by the personnel department, the college scouts, the personnel director. They're accumulating all the data and information, and they're setting their board up, Right and they're putting together what they see as the value of the players. They're making sure they're doing the guys who are going to be junior eligibles that come out or people that declare. And then once that's done, then they take that list and they try to include the assistant coaches into it, but not the broader sense of the list. So if you're the running back coach for the Raiders, you may get 15 guys to look at at the combine. You don't know their grades. You may have to interview 10 of them. You don't know their backgrounds. There's very limited information changing of information. You'll know enough to ask questions, but you're not going to know all the details. And then you write your reports and you submit them. And sometimes some organizations will have meetings to go over what you wrote about. Some won't. Some will just take them and look at them. Some will listen to the assistants. Some won't. A lot of this comes from how much authority the head coach has, you know, and then how good the evaluators are on his staff and who he trusts to go out and evaluate. So, once the season's over, then there's the mixture of confl- of of taking the college information to the pro people and letting them look at it. When you have a decision of quarterbacking, you're going to try to get the people that certainly the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the 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 general manager, the per- all the the people that are paid to to make a hard decision are going to be involved in it. And as you can see, when you have too many people involved, you end up making the wrong decision. And I think the the challenge for most teams are to get everybody aligned, right? It's to get everybody to understand what might be good for another team may not be good for us. And so, the, and it's funny you say this. We're having a seminar today on the Daily Coach at four o'clock. It's free, and we're going to talk about how we're going to talk about this exact subject. It's about really who do you want your team to be, and how do you visualize your team, and what grading system do you have to utilize that. And the same thing applies in business, whether you're hiring for Circa, whether you're hiring for the Raiders, you have to have criteria for each position. A lot of teams don't spend enough time on that criteria. So scouts are just scouting outside in, not
6: inside out. All right, final question, Michael. Have we come to an era to put an end to these all-star, all-pro games? Baseball's the only one that has any (laughs) resemblance to the actual game they play. This travesty in Sunday... In Indianapolis. I mean, it was an interesting betting situation. We opened this game 366 and a half and closed 353 and a half, a 13 point move to the under because Adam Silver said we're going to have a competitive game. It's not going to be like last year. Joe Dumars beat the drum. Everybody bet under and the game you should and there's have almost 400 points scored. 173 <laughs> points. I mean, it's, it's really a joke. Uh, and football went to the flags. And I mean, it, it has nothing to do with. Isn't this really just about a resume for a Hall of Fame? I was a first team All-Pro. I was All-Pro. I, uh, I was in the All-Star. And the skills competition, which is the fun part of it, the three-point contest, the quarterbacks, you know, accuracy contest and all that. Isn't that what it should be? And stop trying to pretend that we're going to have a game that's something like what we see during the regular season.
5: I couldn't agree more. Now, baseball, it fits. Basketball, it should fit, right? It should fit. You they should play harder. I mean, it's a game that we should be able to enjoy. That, you know, it's uh, we're not saying it's gonna be intense lockdown Detroit Pistons, Chicago Bulls style with Chuck Daly on the sideline type of game, but we we are saying it should showcase athleticism and talent, but not lack of effort like we're seeing. And I think that's the case. Football, I completely agree with the direction it's going in. It's too risky for those guys to play in an all-star game and get hurt. It's just too risky. The the, the finances don't work anymore. It used to be, Mike, that they went to go play in the hole ball and made money on it, and it was important money that they needed to supplement their income and get more ex- you know money. That ain't the case anymore, right? You got bonuses in your contract, the, the TV money. The Really, the bigger issue for the NBA and for a lot of leagues other than football is – the NFL's – Stormy asked this question today based on the PF Pro football report saying the cap was going to go up. The money that's coming into the players in the NFL is going to increase the cap. The money the NBA may not be getting is going to maybe decrease their cap, and that's when they're going to have problems with their players because no player likes to take a pay cut. But if you're not bringing in revenue or bringing in ratings, how the hell do you keep charging the networks which fund the leagues what they're going to have to pay?
4: All that to say, too, I I know a lot of NBA fans were left a little bit stunned after because there's all this criticism about the game and how high scoring it is. And you have Luca throwing up a three from the opposite three point line, even though it's not a buzzer situation. But they still were up like 20 percent viewership from last year, which was all time
6: low last year.
4: This was the second lowest. I mean,
6: that's how. That's how bad it's but, got, it's gotten. But
4: like the three point contest, I think is a blast. I oh, think I that's love it. super fun. Maybe it'll
6: be Caitlin and Sabrina against Dame and, and Steph next like, year, right? I, I mean, mean
4: shouldn't the, the dunk contest it?
5: be somebody who's actually playing he in the league? Shouldn't the dunk hates
4: contest that be somebody who plays is the back to back champ. He hates it.
6: Well, LeBron ruined it because he wouldn't play in it. All those guys yeah. used to do it, right? Sean Kemp, Jordan. Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter did they did it for many, many years and then when LeBron oh, I'm not gonna compete, I think it just absolutely ruined it.
4: And you just see the same the same stuff <laughs> yeah. now. It's not like particularly creative no, anymore. I don't even watch it. Yeah.
6: I only watched the three point. That's the only thing I watched. And I really watched it for the staff of Sabrina.
4: Yeah, and but yeah. both of them were awesome. The Steph and Sabrina, she, she might have won great. if
6: she was in the regular contest against <laughs> the men, right? Well, well, yeah, she, the made the win, yeah.
4: she made the finals. She made the finals. No, that was that was awesome. Great, great spot as Thank always. Uh, also, make sure if you missed hyper- no hyperbole today, you can download, follow the money, so you can Absolutely. listen to that in hour three. Um, Michael, fun stuff. I'll see you later on next week. That's a wrap for us today.